so. You slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get those Z's. And if you do need to snooze, we'd much rather you did it at home in your warm, comfortable bed than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later, right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. You'll still miss out on the intergenerational community and the support and encouragement that that brings. You'll miss out on some music and cute kids at children's time. And we won't be able to give you any cake or cookies after worship, but we'll give you what we can. I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. And we are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts or perfect preachers. We're your average pastors, helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast so that if you're away from home or working, or maybe you had to move out of the area, or you just had something come up, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Every episode is a conversational version of a sermon one of us gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, we just ask that you would keep an open mind and an open heart. And a quick note, we're serious about that open mind. We don't expect that you're going to agree with everything we say. And in fact, we encourage you to question, to disagree, and to figure out what you think. In the midst of that, though, our sincerest hope is that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So July 1 was the Sunday where we talked about the healings. Mm-hmm. So the natural place in a city where you would experience healing would be... Um, the hospital? Hospital, health clinic, doctor's office. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we are in the middle of a series called First Street Gospel. So it's about, you know, as you're walking down First Street, you're walking down whatever the main street is, USA, that you live by. What are the things, the places that you see, the places where you live and move and have your being where you might be inspired to think about God and faith and hope and life and relationships and, and how all they of those interact. Things. Yeah, absolutely. And so this was the week that we talked about hospitals and health clinics. Beautiful and tragic things happen inside those buildings. Amen. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I can walk to five pharmacies from my house. <laughs> so, you know, there's lots of healing consumerism yes. around us all yes. the time as well. On top of all of the resources that we have, uh, beautiful and tragic things happen inside those buildings. And I think they are reminders for us. Every CVS we pass, every Walgreens, every hospital, health clinic, doctor's office, ophthalmologist that we pass is a reminder for us that sometimes we take for granted some of the abilities that we have Mm. that other people might not be able to take for granted, like the ability to walk Mm -hmm. or see or hear or think Mm-hmm. Have our minds to ourselves. Yep. Um, the ability to be in motion and make choices are things that we might sometimes forget. Yep. Not everybody has access to. Right. And the New Testament is full of people like us. Right. People who have some limited abilities or some, you know, extra abilities, abilities or uh, circumstances that have created situations they have to experience, you know, they have to go through. Mm-hmm. The New Testament is full of people like us. And, and it's full of enough people for us to talk about abilities and disabilities. I know that sometimes my congregation prefers it when I just stick to the lighthearted, funny stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's important enough that there are enough people around us mm-hmm. to consider these questions. I think it's important for us to realize that not everybody who has a limited ability is treated in a just way. Yep. And so it's important for us to talk about for justice sake. And I think it's important for us to talk about because these 
folks that Jesus interacts with in the Bible seem to be a locus for grace, for the grace of God. Yeah. And so if these places of vulnerability mm-hmm. are places where God moves, yep. then absolutely we should be paying attention. Yeah. And so this Sunday we were talking about how God's power was active in places of vulnerability and the ways that that is true. And then how our church can be more welcoming, hospitable place uh-huh. for people who have these kinds of vulnerabilities. Okay. Right. So the first thing I think is true is that God makes us creative uh-huh. when we cannot take for granted certain abilities. Amen. Because we have to try and find a way around it. Yeah. Right. So uh, in a very literal sense, Rembrandt was farsighted. Oh, interesting. So if you think about the art of Rembrandt, everything is dark and only just a very little of it is clear. Yeah. And it's because it's very well lit. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, that he totally would see makes... the world that way right. and then paint it that way. And I just, I just recently saw like um, uh, a uh, like a thing on one of those sites, conglomeration sites, but um, mm-hmm. it was paintings that were painted as if the people with vision problems. Oh yeah, right. And so, and it looked like like abstract, uh-huh. but it was, but it was intentionally like fuzzy. Yeah. It's really interesting. So Rembrandt was farsighted. Van Gogh had glaucoma. So think about Van Gogh's art. Yeah. For a second. Uh, and Monet had cataracts. Ah. So no wonder everything was kind of yeah. impressions, right? Impressionism. Right. Impressions of light and color. color. So that's because what that getting. was what he could see. Yeah. And everything has kind of a softer hue to it. There's not a lot of bright whites in yeah. Monet. And it's because everything's a little bit more yellow. Which is really, and it's really fascinating that he could paint it. Yeah, absolutely. Any of them could paint. There's a, a famous story about Renoir. Mm-hmm. This is a true story. Uh, who had some vision issues going in to get glasses. Now, Renoir had uh, a very specific style of painting. It's very much like Monet's impressionistic. Right. And he was often compared to another famous painter of the day who was hyper-realistic. Mm. And who would paint everything just sharp as, sharp as day. Mm-hmm. And... Renoir went in to get glasses mm-hmm. and he was there with a couple of friends and they put the glasses on his face uh-huh. and he opened his eyes and he looked around and they gave him a minute and then they said, what do you think? And he took the glasses off and he threw them across the room and he said, I like seeing the world my way better. Ah. <laughs> he didn't want to be compared to the other way that this guy was right. painting pictures. He liked his way of, of right. painting and so he chose it. Right. Um, there's a story that I told, I can't remember all the details of it now, but people who have had surgery for when they were born blind oh, uh-huh. and they've had surgery to correct, not to correct, but to give them a sense of vision, mm-hmm. uh, that they will walk around with their eyes closed Yeah, because they realize one, what they had been missing out on and two, the things they didn't have control over. Right. The things that people seeing them when they didn't give them permission Right. You know, things like that. And so there's all these stories about people who have had surgery so that they can see. And there's there's similar, I mean, it's part of the conflict around, around cochlear implants. Right. Right. Is that there's nothing wrong with being deaf. Right. It might be, it might be easier to maneuver in the world if you can hear, but that doesn't mean it's better. Right. And so there's all this, this stuff around well, that. Well, and, so, and that same kind of thing of like what you can control and can't control. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I think about all the stories in the Bible about people who have some issue where they can't go see Jesus themselves mm-hmm. and their friends come together to make it happen. Right. That that when we see something that is a different ability, it creates the impetus for us to act as community. Right. So it's not just like, oh, I can do it on my own. 
It's we all have to get together and make it happen. And that is something beautiful and loving and creative that happens in the midst of these places of vulnerability. So one, God makes us creative. Uh Two, God's power sustains us in a different kind of way. There's a story about a woman who was born without arms Uh and she became a painter Uh and she would put the paintbrush in her mouth and paint with her mouth and she'd give interviews and things. And people asked her over and over again, you know, how do you do this? And she said, there is a God who understands my situation. There is a God who prayed in a garden and felt the absence of himself. There is a God who understands the isolation and the alienation. Uh There's a God who understands me. And that's what helps me have the emotional resources that I need to face whatever I need to face on any given day. And so there's something about vulnerability that taps us into um, the ways that God can actually sustain us Mm -hmm. uh, in powerful, uh, powerful ways that we miss out on when we think we can do it all ourselves. Yeah. And that's these two women in the story today. We have the child mm-hmm. who is so vulnerable and yep. 12 years old and is so, so ill. Mm-hmm. And then this woman who is isolated, completely isolated from community. And in these places of vulnerability, not only does Jesus sort of recreate life, mm-hmm. but reconnects people to community. Yeah. Yeah. So it that, doesn't happen in, this, in, a, in a vacuum. It doesn't happen in a vacuum that that seems to be as important as mm-hmm. returning people to life or returning healing right. or or whatever else is going on, that the healing and the resurrection happens in community and only um, through the creative power of God. Yeah. There's something else that happens in the gospel, though, which is that when we only talk about different abilities as something to be healed or right. as something to be fixed, we build a world in which handicap or illness is something to be fixed. Right. We talked a little about the cochlear implants. Right. But that there's a very real thing where our medical system is built around beating disease. Right. And there are some diseases that can't be beat. There are chronic illnesses that don't have a solution or that right. are just something you have to learn to live with. It changes your, your normal, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. there's no fix for it. And so the way that we use language matters because the way that we use language doesn't just describe our world it creates our world right and and i don't know how many people you've run into but i've run into people who have chronic illnesses where like the medical world just sort of gives up on them yeah because there's no fix yeah that's not who we want to be no and so not only do we need to talk about healing but we also need to talk about how do we suffer well Mm. because there are i mean that's true with emotional suffering it's true with psychological suffering Mm -hmm. it's true with physical suffering how do we suffer well? And how do we see these vulnerabilities as places for God's creative action, for unified with community and being sustained rather than places where there is some lack? Yeah. How do we do that? And so there's some practical application stuff um, here for us as a congregation. The first thing is I went to the carnival the day before this, right. uh, this sermon, our church through a carnival and there were all these games. And what I really liked was that there was special seating. So we were at the Snowflake Pavilion at Idlewild Park and there's picnic tables there, but they're the kind of picnic tables where you really have to become a contortionist to get in and right, out of right. them. Right, right. They're those, those ones with the, the, like the plastic mesh. Yeah. The plastic, um, rubber coating metal yeah. benches that are attached to the tables. And you can't like slide on the seats. <laughs> no, cause there's bars in between. So our church, somebody from our church had the forethought to bring tables and chairs 
Mm. And to set up tables and chairs so that in that shaded area, people who might have mobility issues would be able to come in and be a part of the community. Right. And they had bingo and they had, you know, special seating. And then people weren't just saying, well, I don't have a disability, so I'm going to sit in the regular seats. And then people with disabilities can all sit over there. They, they were all mixing together and sitting with one another. And I thought that was a beautiful thing. Yeah. That that's how we're supposed to be as the kingdom of God is to make space for everybody. That's one of the definitions of salvation, uh, which is a synonym for healing in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Um, but there are some other things. Our church has no parking lot to speak of. Yeah. We are a downtown church. It has we have, park, you have parking we've spots. We've built out every inch of our property. Uh, we have six parking spots. And there's four of them that are sort of parallel that are nose into the building. And then there's like a roundabout. That you can fit two cars in. You can fit two cars in or three if they're very small cars and you're very creative drivers. <laughs> And so you have to get three very creative drivers with small cars. It just, it it very rarely all comes together. Yeah. So for a while we've been putting out sort of handicap markers. They keep getting stolen, but we keep putting out handicap markers on Sunday mornings as a reminder to our congregation that we want to leave the parking spots closest to the building for people who have mobility issues. Right. And I said, now this is going to sound counterintuitive, but what if we didn't use all of our parking? Mm. What if we only use those four parallel spots and we left the drive through open mm-hmm. so people could do drop off if mm-hmm. they if they're coming with friends or family or whatever but also because one of the things that happens when we try and cram in as many cars we have the scarcity mindset there's not enough parking we'll cram in as many cars as we can is that people who are using walkers or wheelchairs can't, can't get, get in they can't fit between the cars yeah. to get to the front door which is the only handicap accessible door in the building right and so I, I threw this out there. I said, this is not a policy, but it's a thought. What if we didn't use all of our parking? What if, if you came on a Sunday and you can walk a little ways, you parked away from the building. And if you can't walk a little ways, you decided that you still weren't going to park in that roundabout so that other folks can still come in. What if we did that? And so that lasted for about a week, but <laughs> I'll remind them and then it'll happen again. And it's just a learning curve. Right. Um, during worship, I said, you know, if you're sitting next to somebody who can't stand, it is okay to stay seated. Right. There are all these places in the worship where we say, stand if you're willing and able, but you don't have to. <laughs> you, you, can know, ju- you can be unwilling. <laughs> you can be unwilling, and we're not going to be offended by that. And I think it's a lot different when everybody stands up and you, you're sitting and you're looking at everybody's tuchuses than if you have a little bit of breathing room because there's somebody next to you who's not going to stand up and make you feel right. totally bottled in. Right. So it's okay to stay seated. It's okay to let... The, the ushers bring communion to you. Mm-hmm. When we have communion and people are kind of coming forward, it's okay to ask us to come to you. We, we do that. Right. Um, and we're happy to do that. Uh, it's okay to sit with the person who won't be coming forward and mm-hmm. take communion with them. Right. Because you don't want to take communion on your own. The whole idea is called communion. Togetherness. Togetherness. Yeah. Um, and I said, and our children have modeled this for us, but we can model it for them. Because when we tell them that they need to be careful with people who are older mm-hmm. and who have trouble walking, and then we block the parking, <laughs> we are undermining everything we're teaching them. I said, about a year ago, we got complaints that there were children being rowdy in the fellowship hall. And people were not going to fellowship hall because they had mobility issues, they had walkers or canes, and they were afraid the kids were going to knock them over. And so for about two months, we put out coloring sheets with markers and or crayons, whatever was not going to make a huge mess and asked 
older folks to sit with the kids and color during fellowship time. And that worked a little bit, but worked what worked better was when I pulled aside one of the, one or two of the older kids mm-hmm. and introduced them to one of our older folks mm-hmm. and said, do you know this lady? And they go, yeah, 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 she's cool. And I said, cool. Well, she has trouble walking. And so she gets really concerned when people are running past her. Because even though you know what you're doing, she doesn't know what you're doing. <laughs> and she feels unstable and like she's going to fall down and get hurt. Do we want her to fall down and get hurt? And they said, no, 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 no. And I said, okay, well, cool. So what you guys can do is you can help all of the other kids understand that when you're in the fellowship hall, that you need to just slow down just a little bit. You can come run around in the parlor all you want, but if you're in the fellowship hall, and particularly if you're around somebody like Mrs. So-and-so, if you guys could just slow down. I said, I haven't heard any complaints since, have you? Mm. And the congregation thought about that for a minute. And I said, the kids want to be in relationship with you, but you have to make space for each other. Mm-hmm. So, And you have to explain your side. I mean, like, like kids are not... Yeah, they're, they're not going to automatically understand. But but they're perfectly willing to be a part of if you explain it to them. Like, hey, guys, I'm worried I'm going to fall over. Do you mind slowing down a little bit? Yeah. They're fine with that. So the next time you see a hospital or a health clinic or a CVS or a Walgreens uh, or a doctor's office of some kind, think about what are the things that we can do as a congregation or that you can do to help make the world a little bit more creative and loving and welcoming for people who have all kinds of ability levels? Because if we really want to be the people of God and the kingdom of God, then that that means everybody. Yeah. And we need to make space for each other. Yeah. So that was the sermon. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, It just occurs to me, um, so there's a family in my congregation who has um, a number of members of their family who are um, differently abled, Mm -hmm. um, have, are people with disabilities. Um, and one of them, uh, one of them, he, he, if you looked at him, you would not think that he was tracking anything that was going on in worship, mm-hmm. but he almost always gets the joke. There's a joke, whatever joke I tell, whatever, <laughs> like whatever thing I make, I'll, you know, I'll make a, a comment, right? The other day I had just like basically opened the sermon and I said something and he cracked up and I was like, yep, that's right. And, and it was just. Like, like the gift that he gives to just to me personally, uh-huh. to be able to there's laugh. There's somebody who will laugh at my joke. There's somebody, well, there's somebody, you know, cause sometimes, Who's you know, as attention. a preacher, you know, as a preacher, sometimes you're putting stuff out and there's nothing coming back. Yeah. And, and, but to know that he will, he will get the joke. Right. And, yeah. and, and sometimes it's like, he, sometimes it, it's just that he gets the joke sooner. And yeah. I don't know, you know, is he getting my tone of voice or is it? The, the actual, who knows, yeah. but it is such a gift to me and then to the community yeah. that we have that joy, that, that spontaneous joy that yeah. just comes out. And, and it's so fascinating because people knew you'll, you'll all see on the face of visitors. They'll be like, what? What's and happening? Then the, yeah. And then they're like, oh, right. Yeah. Um, but it's such a, it's, 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 it's a mutual thing, right? Yeah. It's not, we learn from them and you know, it's makes us so much holier. No, no. It's a mutual thing. It's We're just all in this together, together. here. Right. I, I feel that way about... There, every once in a while I'll get somebody who comes up and complains about, well, there's this person sitting next to me who this, that, or the other. And I say, oh, do you know them? Mm-hmm. And they'll say no. And I say, well, she has Tourette's. So she can't really control. I know what she's saying is offensive. She knows what she's saying is offensive. She's super ashamed of herself every day because she cannot control the words that come out of her mouth. Right. And how much uh, grace can we show her Mm-hmm. By just not reacting to those things that you see she is appalled to be saying. Right. 
Like, it's okay. It doesn't bother me. I'm not offended if she's telling you my sermon is garbage. It doesn't hurt my feelings at all. No. Um, but what does hurt my feelings is if we make her feel like she doesn't belong here. Right. Um, we have a family of kids who are so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all in some kind of transition. They live with this amazing woman in our church who is a foster mom. And she rotates. She said over 90 sons. Uh, hey, Pat. And um, I bet. <laughs> there's this apocryphal story at the church about one of her sons standing up in the middle of worship and just starting to cuss out like the pastor in the church and the sermon mm-hmm. and all the things. And everybody in the church just waited. And, you know, and this kid was like storming out and, you know, Pat followed him out. And then the pastor just said something like, isn't it great that we can be a loving place for these kids? And everybody in the congregation just went, amen. And they just kept on with the service, you know, so <laughs> they're not going to be, they're not going to be disrupted, but they're not going to, you know, yeah. make anybody feel bad for the things that they can't control. Yeah. A woman come in. We get a lot of interesting people downtown, but I had a woman come in and tell me before a sermon, I wasn't, I don't think I was preaching that day. I don't remember who was preaching. I might've been preaching. Yeah. No, and she no. came in and the ushers found me and they said, there's a woman who wants to speak to you before service. And I said, okay. I go over and she says, I have a particular kind of disorder mm. where I will pass out right. for 30 seconds to a minute. And and while I'm passed out, I will shout things. And it's usually some version of no, no, no. <laughs> and occasionally I will add in Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, and I, I have been asked to leave churches before because of this. And so I just wanted to let you know that this is, this is what I live with. And is it okay if I stay? And I said, absolutely, it's okay if you stay. I'm just going to let people who are leading worship know. And the ushers are going to be there if anything happens to assure the people around you that you're okay. I said, what is the preferred way that you would have us deal with this? And she goes, I just like to be ignored. I'd like to pretend like it didn't happen. And I said, okay, we can do that. <laughs> We're really good at that. And I told her the story of this boy mm-hmm. uh, in the church. And she goes, really? And I said, yeah, this church is used to this. <laughs> it's okay. Mm-hmm. And she sat down and I told um, I told the person who was the liturgist and I told the people who were going to be singing, I think it was four women singing a quartet that Sunday, I let them know it was going to happen. Everybody was just fine with it. She came back for one of the concert series during mm-hmm. the week. And I told all the performers during the concert series and the ushers, I said, okay, we have a friend here who, this is her issue. So, you know, she's just moved by the spirit. <laughs> it's you just fine. let it happen. I said, so, you know, it's, it's nothing personal. And they all just said, oh, that's fine with us. We okay. can, it's good for us to know. Yeah. So it's important for us to share those stories with each other because right. otherwise it's so easy to judge when somebody falls out of line. Right. But if you just say, hey, this is the thing I'm working with, most people are willing to give you a little space to do that, yeah. you know? And so that's another another reason to share our stories. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to the topics we've been discussing, shoot us an email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. Find us on our website at sundaymorningsleepin.com, Facebook, Sunday Morning Sleep-In. I'm sensing a same theme here. Mm. But the scripture this morning, uh, the scripture for this podcast is Mark 5, 21 to 43. And the music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. It's traditional at the end of a worship service for the priest to deliver a blessing to the congregation. So we try and do that at the end of the podcast as well. Except I don't generally give blessings. I figure you're probably not listening to us by accident. You've probably been looking for a good word somewhere, which means that you have been blessed. You've experienced God's grace, God's love for you in some way. So uh, whatever ability or disability, whatever baggage you're bringing in with you, whatever healing you need, whatever suffering you are experiencing, 
my hope is that you will understand how beloved you are. And that even in those places of vulnerability, God is moving and active to make this a more creative and loving and communal world. And so we are grateful for you and we are grateful for what you're willing to share. And I hope that you will continue to find ways to love and listen and serve and seek justice this week because maybe you slept in, but now it's time to wake up and get moving. Amen.